hey, why don't we, why don't we just uh, give thanks to God uh, for a moment and just thank Him for what He did on camp, um, for that testimony. And honestly, there were so many other stories. Um, we could have just jam-packed the service filled with testimonies um, of what God did on camp. So I'd just love it if we could just um, lift up some praise to God and then also just pray for this morning. So Lord, uh, yeah, I just thank you for the story um, of Sophia and the way in which you were just... Um, yeah, God, just pursuing her heart and wanting to rewrite a narrative um, in her heart and in her mind. Lord, I thank you for the truth that got spoken over her. I thank you for the obedience of our prayer team that was praying throughout camp. Uh, and Lord, I just want to pray now um, that yeah, as, as, we, as a church, we get to gather here as one big family. Lord, we just sort of get to gather here this morning. I pray that the message is short, um, that we can all stay focused. Um, Lord, and ultimately, I pray that we can leave feeling empowered um, and ready to go um, share your light, shine your light and share your love uh, to the people in our world. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Fantastic. So on the theme of uh, camp, uh, we, I picked up our guest speaker from the airport. His name, as we heard, was Ben. So I picked up these two boys, Ben and Dylan, from the airport. And, you know, as someone um, who, who's a pastor, you know, it's always this funny thing of, like, you know, what do you talk about in the car? Like, do you talk about football or, you know, you talk about church? Or, you know, what do you do? And you're sort of trying to feel each other out. And so I, I pick up Ben at the airport, and, um, and I said, oh, how was the flight? And he's like, it was terrible. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, tell us how you really feel. And he's like, no, I left my headphones in Adelaide. And I was like, oh, gee, you've been a bit of a drama queen there. And he's like, no, I didn't have headphones. He's like, but it's all right. It's okay. I got some. And I was like, oh, how'd you get some headphones? He goes, well, I went to the air hostess and I said, oh, excuse me, um, I don't have any headphones. Do you have any, like, does the airline have any spare ones that you could give me? And the air hostess goes, no, uh, I don't. But I actually have my own personal ones um, that I can give to you. And Ben's like, but I have no money. And she goes, well, she, no, he goes, how much do I like owe you for this? And, uh, and the lady goes, just give me what you think they're worth. And Ben in that moment goes, well, I actually don't have any money, but what I do have is 90 Bible verses that speak into your identity of Christ and who you are made in Christ. And then he gives it to him and he goes, this is worth far more than any money I could ever give you. Yep. Yep. And, you know, you kind of like, he's probably on a bit of a camp high there. Like, you know, he's just trying to flex his Christian muscles. Oh, no, he wasn't. He was crazy. We then went out to breakfast. Uh, he is crazy. And we went out to breakfast. And so at this point, it was Courtney and myself. And then the two boys were sitting there. And, you know, we're just sort of talking about camp, just kind of setting the scene, just, just sort of general, soft, you know, easy conversation. And, um, and Ben just goes to us. He goes, hey, can I just pray for you and Courtney? And we're like... Go your hardest, Ben. And then, we, you know, which we come to regret, we close our eyes and then, I kid you not, in like one of our favorite cafes on the coast, we sit down there and Ben goes, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we pray in the name of the Father. We pray for apathy. We pray against it. We pray against the attack of the enemies. And I kid you not, for two and a half minutes, it was like a full-blown like prayer fest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm looking at Courtney. She's bouncing in her because they're like, what is going on here? And then all throughout camp, what we've begun to realize that this wasn't just some like random thing that Ben did, but Ben believed so strongly in the gospel that it didn't matter where he found himself. He was so sold out for it. He's like, I really don't care what other people think. 
So much so that when he was playing football at a pretty competitive level, after the game, they'd all uh, like to get on the jungle juice and have a bit of fun in the club rooms. And Ben's like, I am not partaking in that. Like, that's not something that I want to be a part of. He's like, I want to be a good representative of Christ. And they're like, well, you have to have a drink. He goes, fine, give me a juice box. And so he had like a little juice box with a straw. And he'd walk around with his straw every week, sipping that. And then it was this thing of like, Ben was going, no, 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 I'm here for a purpose. I'm actually here for a reason. And then he began to tell us these stories about how at his youth group, when he was a youth leader, he started off with what we would call a small group. And by the time they graduated grade 12, it was a medium-sized church. He had like a 12-seater van. He's like, I outgrew the van. And like, you know, like, and, and there was something that was happening there. But as I'm listening to these stories of Ben, I found myself asking this question, what am I doing? What am I doing? Here I am. I've been praying. Soph and I have been praying for the last six months that you know, we'd have an opportunity to talk about church to our neighbors. And here's this guy handing out booklets to air hostesses, praying in the name of Jesus Christ in a cafe at the top of his lungs, sharing, shining the light of Christ. And I found myself asking this question, what am I doing? What am I actually doing to enhance and enrich the kingdom of God? And I think it's actually a key question that those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, I think this is the kind of question that we constantly need to be asking ourselves. We need to be asking ourselves, what am I doing? Or another way of of maybe framing that question is, what is the gospel impact your life is having outside of your own life? So, you know, if we were to go like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, we would say that, you know, one, someone who, um, you know, no one else in your life might know you're a Christian and 10, like you're flirting with the lines of John the Baptist, you know, you're eating locust, honey, you know, you got your little camel get up on and everyone's like, you are crazy. But whereabouts on that scale do you find yourself? Because I think so often we can, as a church, we can look and go, I think that's someone else's problem to deal with. I think evangelism someone else's thing. I think discipleship someone else's thing. But when we actually read the scriptures and we read what Jesus says, he is so clear that it is for each and every one of us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Matthew 28, um, verses 16 to 20. And if you've been around church for a while, you will be very familiar with this. It's called the Great Commission. And it's this moment where Jesus has, um, we've, last week we celebrated Easter, what happened on Sunday. We remembered what Jesus did for us on the cross on Friday. And so to help us understand this, all of that happened. Jesus rose up and now he's actually back with his disciples after all of that happened. Just let your mind sink in for a little bit about that. Like Jesus is back walking around with his disciples. And then he says these words to the disciples. And I just think they're so rich. I think when we understand what he is trying to say is, honestly, church, if we call ourselves a Christian, what he says, this is unescapable for us. This is something that we as followers of Christ need to take seriously. So Jesus says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What's the key word there? All authority. See, we read that and we just kind of think we glaze over that. But what Jesus is trying to communicate to us in that moment is if I was to help us understand on a kid's life perspective, it would be like Jesus has been the undercover cop the whole time. And then all of a sudden in this moment, he whips out his badge and he's like, yo, this is who I am. He's saying all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. If we were to like simplify the translation again, Jesus is saying, listen up to what I'm about to say. This is important. 
And so then he says this in verse 17. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, I love that Jesus starts by saying, All authority. He's saying, This is everything. All authority on heaven and earth are behind the words that I'm about to say to you. Just think about that. And then I love it how he says this inclusive language of all. Go therefore and make disciples of some nations. No, all nations. Teaching them how to observe all that I have commanded you to do. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So if Jesus is saying, like, with all the authority that I bring, this is what I'm saying, then we as followers of Christ, we as followers of Jesus, better read or better listen to what Jesus is saying here because it seems like it is very, very important. See, Jesus gives us such a call, such a clear call to action in this. This is not an escapable text. There's no asterisk at the bottom that says all, you know, except for those of you who maybe, you know, you're not very charismatic or those of you who are introverts or, you know, maybe those of you who are just gifted musically and, you know, or maybe those of you who honestly, you're just feeling lazy and you can't be bothered. There is none of that in here. This is an inclusive text where Jesus says, no, no, this is for all of you to partake in. This is for all of us, all of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. This, this is what we are called to do. This is what we are called to do, to disciple one another. So then we've got to ask ourselves the question, if this mandate is for everyone, how can we, as followers of Christ, the ones who sing the songs, who read the text, how can we, as followers of Christ, posture ourselves in a way that gets us off the bench and gets us into the game? How can we actually posture ourselves in a way that gets us a little further away from the one and a little bit more like John the Baptist? How do we actually begin to nudge the ball that way? And I think it's so simple. And to be honest, I often think that kids do it the best because they go, well, we've really got nothing to lose. They just send it. But you know what they do? They give it a go. So those of us who call ourselves Christians, what do we do in response to a text like this? If Jesus is calling all of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior, what do we do? We give it a go. Honestly, what have we got to lose? What have we got to lose? The whole world outside of this church thinks that we are a bunch of weirdos and loonies. And you know what? That narrative is going to continue unless we begin to speak the truth of the gospel over those people. Unless we actually shine the light of Christ and say, yeah, we are a little bit weird, but we're weird because Jesus did something in our hearts. That narrative is going to continue unless we step up and we start to disciple people. Start to say, hey, why don't you come along with me? Hey, I notice you're struggling with this. Hey, I notice this. Hey, can I just walk alongside you a little bit? Can we just journey with life together? And so how does this look in a room filled with so many people? We have the youngest right through the oldest. But here's the thing is we're all in this somewhere. And so kids' life. Kids, I think this is such a cool thing for us to try and understand that when we talk about discipleship, Jesus invites us in to be a part of discipleship. And so for us, that might look like for you at Kids Life, tomorrow when you go to school, when you see that person who's sitting by themselves, maybe they're weird, maybe they're annoying, maybe they're a little bit smelly, maybe nobody likes who they are. And there's something in you that says, hey, I actually should go and sit with that person. Trust that. Because God might be wanting in that moment for you to go and show that person that they are loved. 
for you as a kid's life kid to shine the light of Christ to those people who desperately need to hear about the love of Christ, to feel like they are known, to feel like they are loved. For our teenagers, you know, I think there's two forms of discipleship for teenagers. There's digital discipleship and then there's biblical discipleship. You guys have a real choice to make. Those of you who call yourselves followers of Christ, you have a choice to make. Either you can let the internet, social media, everything you consume online, you can let the digital world disciple you or you can let the Bible disciple you. And so my encouragement would be, if you call yourself a follower of Christ and you're a teenager, my hope and my prayer would be that as you walk through the school that you stand out like a sore thumb. That when people look at you, they go, wow, you're so different. There's this peace about you that you have that no one else has. There's this calm that you bring. There's something going on and you can say, yeah, let me tell you about that. That's my friend Jesus. Let's go on a journey. Let's start a discipleship relationship. For the parents in the room, when we talk about discipleship, your, your main ministry, your main calling is to disciple your children. And that is why we believe so heavily in apps like ParentQ. Not because we're trying to sign you up to an app or anything like that, but because we want to equip you with the skills to help disciple your families and just let that be a repetition and a constant reminder. So if you haven't yet downloaded ParentQ, please, we're speaking on discipleship. Just download the app and let's actually see whether this can help us change our rhythms as families and how we talk about God in that. But parents, how are you discipling your kids? How do you disciple them? What kind of conversations in the car are you having? How are you showing them about your prayer life? What are the things that you're doing as families? And there might actually be something in you as a family where you're like, you know what? Things are actually going really well. The ball is moving along quite nicely. What I'd actually like to do is I'd like to extend my capacity and begin to serve somewhere else. To actually begin to disciple people outside of my own family and shine the light of Christ to some other people's lives. And I'd encourage you, if you feel that stirring in your heart from God, chase after it. Absolutely chase after it. This world needs good parent role models. This world desperately needs stable people in their lives. Teenagers, children need people in their worlds who are stable, who are consistent, and who can actually lead them to something greater than themselves. All the singles in the room, all the single ladies <laughs> came into my head. Shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Great song, though. Great song. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, stop. Um, yeah. I can actually do a bit more. No. Um, we did that dance one night. Anyway, no. Focus, Jason. Focus. All right. Singles in the room. We did do the dance. Um, if you don't know what it is, just it's all good. Um, singles in the room. Here's the thing. is In the Bible, Paul is really clear. Paul actually states that he feels sorry for people who are married because they're so caught up in ensuring that they have a healthy marriage and a healthy life that they're actually missing out on the good stuff that God is doing around them. And so Paul's kind of like, yeah, if you want to get married, you can. But if you're single, you better bet your bottom dollar we are going to do some mighty things for Christ. And so if you're single in this room, you are not disqualified because you don't have a family, because you're not in a relationship. In fact, the Bible says that in some way, the Spirit is going to be living in you so much more because you can be so much more focused. So my encouragement would be is if you are single, how are you discipling people? Who are the people in your world that you look at and go, hey, I actually think they need a hand. I actually think I can get around these people. This is someone who I see there's a little bit of brokenness in their life and I actually want to help walk them through that. For the young adults in the room, now, the question always stands, how do we define a young adult? It's a very good question. And this is my answer. 
If you are time rich and cash poor, you are a young adult. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, everyone's going, yeah, I remember those days, yeah. But here's the thing. You're time rich and you're cash poor. If you're a young adult, there is no greater time for, the, for you than to start investing in the next generation. For you who call yourselves followers of Christ in this moment where life, I promise you, is only going to get more chaotic from where you currently are. What is, somebody said, amen, that's clearly apparent. But as a young adult, what are you going to do right now? What are, the, what are the rhythms that you are going to establish around discipleship to ensure that you are investing in the people in your world? To ensure that you are taking on the challenge, the call that God places on all of our lives. What are you as a young adult going to do? And then, I have to be a little bit more diplomatic for this one, but we'll call them the more older adults. Not old, because no one's old, but older adults. If you want to know a definition of older adults, if you got offended by that, you could be in the category. But <laughs> it's a bit cheeky, sorry. Um, it's very, very cheeky. But here's the thing, is there is a wisdom that you carry. There is a wisdom that you had. Some of you have raised families. Some of you have walked through heartache. Some of you have run a faithful journey with God. And our church our family, this community needs nothing more than wise people who have done a great journey of their life, who have lived with Christ at the core and walked through stuff. There would be nothing more fulfilling than for some of you to come along people and say, hey, I can see that maybe you're struggling. Can I help you out a little bit? Can I walk you on this journey? You see, so often I think we think that discipleship is kind of like opening up the book of numbers and doing an exegetical and being like, well, this is useless, boink, and then it's gone. But actually, what, Je what Jesus is saying here is discipleship is simply saying, hey, come and follow me. I can see that maybe you're struggling in some areas. I can see that you've got some questions. I can see that you're really not sure. I'd actually like to help take you on a journey. There is a world inside this church and outside this church that is desperate for discipleship. From our youngest right through to our oldest, we are all a part of this. As I said earlier, there is no asterisk when Jesus says for all of us to go to all nations. There's no asterisk. And so church, if you are faithfully discipling people, I, I really want to say thank you so much. It's so beautiful. Sometimes it is quite a hard journey. Sometimes, you know, they stand you up at KFC after you've driven for 40 minutes and they say, I just didn't tell my parents. And you're like, oh, excellent. You just get KFC by yourself. Sometimes that stuff happens. But then there's these moments where there's these light bulbs flick on in someone's mind where they're like, I get it. I understand what you were saying there. Oh, this makes sense. And you see this spiritual fire awaken in someone's souls. And I promise you that, oh, that is worth all the hard work. There's something beautiful that happens when we disciple people. If you're sitting here and you're like, you know what? I'm a follower of Christ, but I haven't ever considered discipleship. You know, that's actually okay. But I just encourage you. In a moment, we're just going to sit in stillness for a moment. I encourage you, just reflect and ask that question. What might it look like for me to start discipling someone? What might it look like for me, to, whether it's my kids, whether it's my spouse, whether it's someone around me, what might it look like for me to actually say, hey, how can I get alongside you? How can we actually grow in our relationships with God together? And then there's some of you in the room who you're thinking, who is God? What is going on? All of this has just been a whole lot of Jesus talk. And, and you, you might be going, well, I've actually got some questions. 
this sounds pretty all right. Let me tell you, Jesus is more than all right. Jesus will radically transform your life. Jesus gives the most simple but life-changing invitation to anyone. He invites us to come and follow him to turn away from the life that we were once living and to come and follow Him. And so that might actually be you here this morning. You might be hearing about Jesus going, oh, this actually sounds all right. I'd encourage you, come down the front and talk to someone afterwards. Talk to the person next to you. Find someone in a connect shirt. That's what we're here for. But church, here's what I know. Is that we can either sit idle, we can look and we can hear the wonderful stories of people like Ben and think that's fantastic for them. It's not really my calling. Or we can actually go, no, no, this is the calling that God places on my life. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to take uncomfortable steps. I'm going to hand out pamphlets to random people on an airplane. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus at cafes. I'm going to fill my van with, that sounded really bad. I'm going to fill my car with teenagers as I drive them to youth on a Friday night. I just realized, I was like, oh no, we're going down dark path there. But I'm, I'm, going, to get, I'm going to disciple and I'm going to lead these people because I'm so sold out for the gospel. I am so in love with Jesus that I want to make sure that everyone who I come in contact with experiences that love. So let's go for it, church. Let me pray. uh, And let's um, let's just take a moment to still our hearts and still our minds. So Lord, I uh, I just want to pray in this moment as we've just opened this this timeless text. God, it's an unavoidable text, an unavoidable uh, call to action for those of us who call ourselves Christians. And so in this moment, In the stillness, Lord, I just pray that you give each and every one of us a name or a face, a ministry to serve at. Lord, I pray that you give each and every one of us a picture of someone, of a ministry to serve, Lord, a way in which we can actively begin this discipleship journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.